Hey, it is good to be here. And uh, I've, I've, I've known about you guys for quite a while. It's been probably, what, three, four years, I guess, that, uh, that Channel had been coming around this area. And uh, so I've known about GCF. Oh, hey, there's Channel's brother, Sean. And that's how I know of you, because Sean uh, first came here. He, he uh, was really, uh, I mean, I knew Missoula existed, but I didn't know anybody here. And, uh, but now I know people here. And so it's, it's great to be here. I want to I wanna just real quickly uh, show you my family. Um, this is my family. Uh, we have five kids, two sons-in-law, and hold on, and uh, one grandbaby. And uh, if you want to look at that a little later, I can show it to you. I came to faith uh, just three weeks before I went to university. Uh, so university students and, and university student ministry holds a, uh, hold on a second, I'm trying to, there we go, has a, uh, a, a, a passion in my, my life, my heart. Um, I, I grew up surfing, and at some point in, in, in my high school years, uh, that was ripped away from me. And uh, so I was at a very low point in my life, and uh, it was there uh, that God uh, reached in and, and, and let me to hear this good news that we've been singing about. And I gave my life to Christ. And I didn't know really what had happened to me at that moment. Uh, I just knew that I would never be the same again. Three weeks later, I find myself on university campus and, uh, and, and looking for where are the Christians? And uh, so if you're, if you're here and you're kind of one of those people who got onto, your, onto this campus and you're like, okay, where are the Christians? Then I hope in this group you will grow in, in leaps and bounds uh, in your faith in Christ. Uh, and I think that that will happen. Get into the woods and figure that out, okay? 18 years ago, most of you uh, were barely alive, Okay, but uh, my wife and I were considering moving ourselves and our five kids halfway around the planet. Uh, Well, right about that time, uh, a bunch of guys uh, from that side of the planet commandeered some some airplanes and used them as weapons to take down the World Trade Center. Anybody remember that? It happened uh, this month or last month, 18 years ago. It was a gut-wrenching experience for us. Uh, But it was a spirit-confirming event for us too. Because it was in that moment that we realized that the only way that anything was going to change with regard to what had just happened was through the gospel. Uh, That really, it's the gospel of peace that brings peace. So for the last 15 years, my family and I have lived over on the other side of the planet in a country called the United Arab Emirates, and uh, in Dubai specifically. And that's uh, where I originally met Sean, is where I met his brother, Shannel. Uh, at the moment, we've just moved from Dubai. We are, are taking a detour through Portland, Oregon, on our way to Iraq. Now, it doesn't sound like the, the right detour, does it? <laughs> but we're going to Portland because there I'm getting some training in pastoral ministry. That's what I'm doing in, in, 
you think you have it rough here in your studies, in four and a half months, I'm going to be going through 50 books. (laughs) All right? So pray for me because it's going to be tough. It is tough. I got, I got four papers due this week while I'm here. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, then we're, we're moving to Iraq uh, to where we're going to be a part of a church there in Iraq. Well, tonight we're considering God's call to the nations, and we're going to look at Ephesians 2 uh, to do that. Thanks for reading the passage for us. Uh, just in, in that, we're going to look at just those first uh, 10 verses uh, for the moment, But uh, the main point, the main point that we're going to talk about tonight is that the gospel that brings peace is for all people, all right? The gospel that brings peace is for all people. And we're going to look in the first 10 verses in that first part, that the gospel brings peace. Uh, Now, my kids are into uh, The Walking Dead. Anybody else into The Walking Dead? Now they uh, they have other ones now, right? It's like Fear the Walking Dead, and can you think of any other kind of in the genre? What are other zombie, you know, film or whatever? Res- Resident Evil. Wow, I didn't even come up with that one. <laughs> what other zombie movies can you think of? World War Z. Yeah, one of my favorites. I think is it that one or is it Twenty Eight Days, where where they have uh, a disease? that's making them go that way and you, and, and you have to have the cure? That's World War Z. I thought it was. Uh, World War Z. That's one of my favorites because it, it, it has this, this, that premise that zombieism was caused by some kind of disease, but it was curable. The point was to find the cure and to get the cure to as many people as possible. Former zombies could be brought to be sentient beings once again. And the reason I, I like this image is, is because it's, it's a lot what the, the verses that we read uh, just a little while ago uh, kind of bring out. Paul says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Look how, look how zombie-like are his descriptions when he says that the dead are walking. He literally says that. We were walking around in our deadness, blindly following the world and the prince of the power of the air. We are, uh, we are uh, some spirit that is working apart from their control is, is over them. And they're carrying out tasks without knowledge about their ends. It's very zombie-like. Paul is saying that at one time, these Ephesian believers were zombies. If you look out around campus, do you see zombies? They're the walking dead. They're people that, that should know life, but they don't know life. According to the Bible, this zombie disease came to be in a beautiful garden, actually. You know, there, there they were when God, uh, you know, had given them uh, really a couple commands. You know, the first command was not, not about the, the fruit. The first command was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then he gives them this one command, not to eat one fruit. And in the day you eat of it, he said, you will die. And from that moment, all mankind has been walking dead. 
Friends, that's our starting condition in this world. We start dead. Paul goes on to describe our condition using uh, words that, that, that maybe we're more familiar with just in, in terms of how we, how we live and grow. Passions of our flesh, desires of body and mind, children with human nature. Uh, we don't have to look too far to, to see what's going on here. And we don't have to be too old to experience it. Uh, I have a brand new grandbaby. She's beautiful, but she's a little sinner. She's a little sinner. She, she cries and will not stop until she gets what she wants. Now, granted, that oftentimes is either something that she wants going in this way or coming out that way. But, uh, but at any rate, we, we know what it means. We have these passions over, we have these desires in our flesh and in our mind. We, we want what, we, we do what we don't want to do. And sometimes the very thing we know we ought to do, we don't do. Our thoughts, they, at times they commend us and at times they condemn us. We rationalize, we justify. Well, the problem with a zombie is a zombie can't heal itself. A zombie just... And what do zombies want? Brains. And they will go until they get them, right? They just, they, it's a passion, it's a, it's a lust of their flesh, you could say. Zombies can't heal themselves and neither can dead people. Dead people do not heal themselves. I had this most vividly explained to me by a friend of mine named Robbie. She was an emergency room nurse and she said, never, never in all my years, she was a nurse for 10, 12 years, something like that. Never in all my years as an emergency room nurse did I ever see somebody come in on the gurney, pronounced dead, reach over and grab the paddles and and bring themselves back to life. It just doesn't happen. Dead people don't bring themselves back to life. It comes from outside of ourselves. And that's where the turning point in our, our passage is. But God. But God. Some of the greatest words in the entire Bible. And, and, and do you hear Paul in his words, this radical, it's, it's radical. It's completely upside down from what should have happened. He's excited But God, I want to read that uh, again. But God. But God. Where am I? Oh, here it is. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. But God. It's powerful, strong words that he's, he's saying here and convincing. Listen to the, the descriptions of God's actions here. As, as he says, he's rich in mercy. He's great in love. It's untimely. He says that it's while we were still sinners that this happens. It's undeserved by grace that we've been saved. God did what, what we could not do. God made us alive with Christ. 
God seated us in the heavenly places in Christ. We're gonna get to a little bit more of what that means in a minute. But we were children of wrath. We were worthy of death. But because of God's great love, because of his grace, he saved us. Uh, That's unlike any other religion on the planet. Other religions say you've got to do something to earn God's favor. But, But the Christian faith says, no, there's nothing you can do. No, no power in yourself. It's by God's grace through faith. And even, even that faith is not our own. It says that he saved us by, by grace through faith. And this is not your own. It is the gift of God. This is the gospel. That's the good news. And, and I just want to say, if, if there's anyone here who, who's not yet come to that understanding, that it's because God is, is holy that we have a problem. He's created everything that is. He's holy, and we are not. We've turned away. We've gone our own direction, like I said earlier. But God came into our world, broke into our world as Christ, and he takes on our sin in himself. And it's because of that that we can be, it's because he he, uh, was a substitute for us He comes down, he takes our sin and makes us, he takes our sin, throws it as far as the east is from the west and makes us right with God. All we are called to do is to repent and believe. Now this gospel is not just ours alone. It's for all people. Let me tell you a story uh, before we go into that next section. So uh, in May this year, a 15-year-old girl named Phuket, uh, she, she's from the Kurdish region of Turkey, and she came to our church in Iraq. Her family had just moved into the area, and she had brought her whole family to church that day. Now, the reason she did that was because she had a friend from high school who, who had kept telling her about this Jesus. She was intrigued. She wanted to find out when her family moved, who is this Jesus? That Sunday, or that actually we meet on Fridays there. That Friday, I, I was preaching. As soon as I finished the sermon, she came up and she spoke to some of the, the women who were at the front. And she said, I heard this same good news from a friend of mine. And now I want to become a Christian. Well, this summer, Phuket, uh, she went through the membership process at the church and she was baptized. She's now part of that community. You probably don't have a whole lot in common with a a teenage girl on the other side of the planet uh, like Phuket. But if you're in Christ, if you're in Christ, you actually have more in common with Phuket than you do with some of your own family members who don't share the blood of Christ. Going on to the, uh, to the next section, where, where Paul starts out, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, 
called by the uncircumc- called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the hands by men. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And there we have that word again. But now in Christ, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This peace comes at a cost. The cost is the blood of Christ. It could only come through the death of the Son of God. There's no other way that this could have happened because the pronouncement from the garden was death. And death requires blood. And so in order to be freed, blood had to be spilled. But but we have to pay for our own sins. There's, we needed a substitute, a sacrifice who was free from the accusation. Only the Son of God could give us that. How valuable, how precious is that blood. And he was willing, willing to pay the price. Again, we need reconciling because we've turned away. We're hostile, we're strangers, we're alienated, we're without hope and without God in the world. And so are the zombies that are on this campus around you. Those who are dead without Christ. But in Christ, we who are far off can be brought near. We can be reconciled. We can be at peace with God. Now this is not just some generic, you know, hashtag peace movement that's going on here. For Jesus, this is personal. Look Look how many times Paul refers to the personal action of Jesus here. I counted nine. It's in Christ Jesus. It's by his blood. It's he himself being our peace. This happens in his flesh. He's He wants to create in himself one new man out of the two. We're going to talk about that in a second. He's the one who came personally and preached. Through him we have access to God. Christ Jesus himself is is the cornerstone. And in him we are being built together. Jesus has personally acted. And reconciliation is certainly a personal thing. It does happen to us personally. And yet we are saved into a community. In verse 11 and 12, Paul talks about these two cultures, Jew and Gentile. It would, it would be easy to see how, how huge the cultural sh- uh, conflict between these two are. You got Jews who were God's chosen people for 1,500 years. They had the laws that designated them as that. They, those laws were actually created to, to, or designed to separate them. Gentiles were formal, former idol worshipers. They were far away from God. Their practices and values were very different than the Jewish laws and the customs. And there was actually quite a bit of hatred, tension between them. It's hard for us to imagine that kind of hatred. We, we live in a society, and I'm sure, I'm sure uh, here on University of Montana, uh, there's a lot of diversity talk and things like that that go on, right? I mean, uh, in fact, I, I know 
some of you who might be RAs have gone through diversity training uh, and all this kind of stuff. It's hard for us to get a concept of what it really means to have enemies. I know recently, my wife and I have been reading through the Psalms, and there's so many Psalms that talk about hating uh, your enemies. And uh, it's kind of hard sometimes, like, ah, how how do I do this? Well, we had a kid named Ziad when I first got to Dubai. And uh, we were talking about how Jesus called us to love our enemies. And Ziad, he, he understood this, this hatred thing a whole lot better than, than we did. He said, that, that, no, that's not, that can't be. You can't, you can't love your enemies. And we're like, no, yeah, you, it, this is what Jesus calls us to do. And he goes, no, that's, I, it's not in the Bible. You can't tell me that's in the Bible. And we're like, actually, it, it is. It's right here in, in the Bible. Here it is. Uh, love your enemies. Well, Jesus didn't mean that. You know, he just, it was like he couldn't get it. Why? Because Ziad grew up in a family where he was a, from a Christian background. He wasn't a Christian, but from a Christian background where there had been Muslim and Christian fighting happening in his village, in his town, all around him. He understood what an enemy is. We have enemies. And you know, apart from Christ, our biggest enemy is God. If you are not in Christ, God is your enemy. In Romans it says, while we were enemies, Christ died for us. Sometimes we don't recognize how far apart we've been. But in Christ, we who were far away have been brought near. He is creating in himself one new man in place of the two. So not only is there reconciliation between God and man, but there's actually also reconciliation between people. This gospel that unifies us, even from vastly, vastly different cultural backgrounds, brings us into one new entity called the church. Paul gives us here three metaphors to describe this church in verses 19 through 22. He calls it a kingdom, a family, and a temple. So it's, a new, it's a new kingdom. No longer are we aliens, but fellow citizens. We're, we're, we who, who follow King Jesus, we are in a new country, a new kingdom, and we're following a new king. It's a new family, no longer strangers, no longer orphans, but members of God's own household. Orphans are seeking to scratch out their own existence. They're, they're looking for how they, can, how they can survive. But children don't need to do that. The parents provide for children. God is providing. We are adopted into God's family. The Apostle John says, but all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called children of God. Consider that. The creator of the universe wants to be your father. That's a powerful image. And then finally, it's a new temple. The foundation is on the 
the apostles and the prophets, it's on the word of God. The foundation of this new temple, this new church, is on the word of God. And Christ himself is the cornerstone. Everything is measured by him. The church, the church is where trans, those who are transformed by the gospel of God grow as the people of God are being built up by the word of God. This, this temple, this is a new place where people meet with God. No longer do we have to necessarily go to a place far, far away. But in each one of these churches, wherever they are, outposts, if you will, of the kingdom of God, we meet with him there. Oh man, don't you want to be a part of this new kingdom? Where everyone is held to the same standard. Where, where it is actually safe. And where the ruler is actually good. Don't you long to be a part of a new family who loves you perfectly? Do you long for the unfailing love from this powerful and morally pure father? Do you long for a place, a new place, where all ethnicities are welcome, where truth is truly true and upheld and has a name and can be known? If you're not a Christian now, do you... This is the time. Do you want to know him? You can talk to, to a Christian who brought you here. Talk to me. But don't leave this place as an enemy of God. Be reconciled and be at peace. And if you are a Christian, maybe the first question I want to ask you is, can you articulate this gospel, this gospel message? If someone were to ask you, what is it that Christians believe would you be able to walk them through the Bible and, and, and show them what the gospel is? Are you able to transition a conversation, a, a normal random conversation towards the gospel? Is that, have, you, have you tried to do that? One time with, with some students, actually was, this was with Shannel, uh, Sean's brother, and a bunch of students, uh, I was trying to help them to understand how they can do this. So we took uh, Taboo, the little game Taboo, with all of the cards that has all the, the words on it. And uh, everyone get the, dealt out some cards, and they had to, using only two words off of that card, uh, get to the gospel. Um, you might try something like that this week. And just see, can you turn a conversation from any, any perspective towards the gospel? Sometimes it was really funny. Um, you know, uh, when, when you get a, cat, like a word like cat, and, 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 you know, and you have to move that to the gospel. But, uh, but what it does is it helps you see that you can do it. Well, have you thought about how you can share the gospel even across ethnicity? Um, I, I know that there are international students here, maybe not a lot, but they are here. And, uh, and have you thought about intentionally going and trying to do that? Find out where the international students hang out. Enter into conversation with them. Or, or maybe another way to, 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 to share the gospel across uh, ethnic bounds is to seek out opportunities, mission opportunities that you can join, whether in your church or, or even here at GCF. Look for ways to take this gospel message across ethnicities. If God can bring Jew and Gentile together, he can bring all ethnicity 
together. This gospel that brings peace is for all people. Now, Paul had in mind uh, both the universal church, that is the, the church that exists over all time and place. He also had in mind the local church, where he says there at the very end, he says, and you also, speaking to the Ephesian church itself. Local churches being built all around the world. That's what Paul was all about. And when we go to a new lands to be the local church where it didn't exist before, we, we are in its essence displaying the glory of God as we bring reconciliation between people. It displays the reconciliation between God and man. Paul's been talking about aliens, strangers, being brought into a family. Specifically, he's talking about the Jews and Gentiles. It's, it's hard to do this practically because sometimes our cultures can be so, so different. Um, anytime you have a co- collection of people, you have culture. Norms to follow, taboos to avoid, manners to, to practice, speech that's understood or not. Uh, this week, Chris has been meeting with some Kurdish women in Portland, and uh, she found out some very interesting things. Uh, women in, in the Kurdish region of, of Iraq don't whistle. That would be very taboo. And I said, why, why is that? And she said, well, they said that it's because the only time that anyone whistles is when they're getting their donkeys to drink water. And so, so you don't want your, your, your women to, to look like donkey herders. So women don't whistle. Uh, they, another thing is they don't, they said, don't chew gum. Don't chew gum, that's rude. And we, we think, what's wrong with chewing gum? You see how different things can be. Even such mundane things like chewing gum. Every culture has its, its qualities that are, that are great, that you want to be held on to, that really in some ways reflect the character of God. And some, uh, a lot of qualities that, that need to be redeemed, that really reflect our own human heart. When we come into the family of God, we come into a new culture. And, and we need to learn the new culture of the family of God. We, we, when we become Christians, it's not as if our, our old culture just goes off by the wayside. Uh, we, we still retain some of that. And we may not even be able to see some of those things that are part of, of who we have been. We need one another to help us to grow in understanding this new biblical culture, the culture of the new family. I've had the joy of seeing people from a lot of different nationalities and religious backgrounds come into this new family, this biblical culture. Uh, Shanel from India, Shola from Nigeria, Sneha from a Hindu background, Sam from Muslim background. Not everybody I know has the letter S, but, uh, but all those do. Um, but uh, in this new family, we have a new culture, and it takes time and effort to learn the family culture. A biblical culture is a culture of discipleship. And in that, now a disciple, let me, let me define a disciple. A disciple is a person who learns or follows someone else. 
Paul would say later in Ephesians, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. So he's saying, be an imitator. A disciple lives out the gospel and, to do, and, and lives out the gospel transparently before other disciples. When we walk in love, we give ourselves up for, one, for others. You can't love alone. It, it, it requires one another. When we walk and live out the gospel in humility before God, it means we, we become aware of our sin. We ask for forgiveness and we extend forgiveness to others. In, in my house in Dubai, we had uh, several people from around the world who, who lived with us. So we had our family, but then we had other folks, Nigerians, Indians, Pakistanis, Egyptians, Filipinos. Uh, they were all part of our household at one point or another. Every morning, we would gather together at 8 a.m. to confess our sins, to re- make requests, and to pray for one another. Why am I telling you this? Because I'm trying to show you that this new culture, this new family is not just an American idea. It's a biblical idea. And we, we people from all over the world are, are coming into this family and learning this new culture. We would hold one another accountable. We would ask questions. We would probe each other. And the reason we were able to do this is that we felt confident to do that is because it was a safe place where grace and forgiveness were, were part of, the, of that conversation. Do you have people like that? Do you have people like that in your life that you can confess sin to? That you can be honest with? And that you know will point you to Christ and to the gospel. To the fact that, you know, okay, I've, I've, I've sinned, I've messed up, but there's, there's, there's forgiveness in Christ. Do you have that? Are you prepared to be that to others? Are you prepared to live out the gospel in, in, in your every day in imitation of Jesus? Maybe before you leave here, or maybe, maybe after you come back from, from the In the Woods retreat, think through, who are two or three people that I can get together with, that I can, can share my life with in a way that, that is transparent and gospel-rich? This gospel that brings peace is for all people. It's undeserved. It was costly, It transforms us from death to life. It brings us who were far away near and into the family of God and not only reconciled with God, but reconciled with one another. It is for all people. That's what Chris and I are heading out to do uh, in northern Iraq. We're going there to plant the church and to bring people who are strangers and aliens into the family of God. Maybe some of you would think about doing something crazy like that one day too. You, you, you start here. It starts right here, where you are. You don't get on a plane and become a missionary. That's not what makes a missionary. A missionary starts 
right where you are. If you want to think more deeply about what it means to engage your campus community or, or even especially across the world, to engage with the gospel, then think about going to a cross-conference this year. Have you heard about cross-conference? Cross-conference is a, a missions conference in Louisville, Kentucky, being held January 2nd to 5th. This conference is specifically for you, for university students. And uh, if you want to consider uh, God's call to the nations, then that's the place you want to go. Hey, I want to go back to Phuket. Phuket's high school friend had overflowed with God's love to Phuket. And that compelled her to find our church. That's what, that's what, what she saw there in her friend is what had her... Um, you know, check us out. And there at the church, she saw people from 30 nations gathered together to worship God in the name of Christ. She heard the gospel and she trusted Christ. She was brought from death to life. She was brought near and into the family of God. And God is glorified in that. Phuket's our sister, she is very different culturally than any of you are. But we share the same gospel, the same baptism, the same body and blood of Jesus, the same spirit and Lord and Father together in Christ. The gospel that, that you are seeking to develop in, in this biblical culture is the same even though you're 7,000 miles away from our sister, Phuket. I hope one day, perhaps maybe some of you can meet her. And you'll see how in Christ, you are being drawn into that same biblical culture in God's new family. This gospel that brings peace transforms us, transforms our culture. Now, I'm gonna... I want to pray and close, but I, I want to open it up for any questions about life uh, across the world, about this gospel, about anything with whatever time we have left. But um, uh, just remember that, that, that the gospel that brings peace draws us into a new community, a new family, and a new culture. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for this gospel, that that we did not deserve, that, that, um, that you didn't have to uh, in any way uh, make available to us. But God, who was rich in mercy, uh, by the grace that he had uh, reconciled us through Christ. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for reconciling us. And Lord, you didn't reconcile us just to yourself, but to all who would call on your name. Lord, I pray for, for this group here. Lord, that, that it would be a group marked by that gospel. That they would grow in understanding uh, the depths and the riches of this gospel as they seek to live transparent and transformed lives together. And may they take this gospel not only here on this campus, but around the world. For truly you are saving people from every nation, tongue, and tribe. In Jesus' name.
Amen.